as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. I guess I got to say that. My Greek professor said this phrase, grace upon grace, is actually a military term about how to arrange soldiers in such a way as to flank the enemy, surround them, and press them from, bro- from both sides. I'm like, well, that's an aggressive grace. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. I think it's amazing that John knows that Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock. He knows that Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, well, I'm going to hide you in this rock and I'm going to pass by and you're going to see the tail end of my glory. He knows that Moses saw that. And yet he says, no one's ever seen God, but Jesus makes him known. He knows his Bible. We have other instances in the Old Testament where people have encounters with God, like Jacob wrestling with the angel. And he's scared when he realizes it's the Lord. And he says, oh my word, am I going to die, you know, basically. I've seen the Lord. We know that Isaiah, in chapter 6, he has a vision of the temple and he sees the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe fills the temple. John knows all that stuff. And yet he says no one's ever seen God. It's not that God's power hasn't been seen. It's, got that, it's not that God's presence hasn't been manifest in a pillar of cloud. It's not that God's signs and wonders haven't been seen. There's something different revealed in Jesus that's so decisive. It's on a different level than anything else God's done in history up till that point. That John says, nothing before that even really counts. It, if you've seen Jesus, then in a totally different way than Moses, you've seen the Father. The central conviction of this fellowship is that we're gathered around Jesus. And God is what Jesus looks like. And that unlearns so many wrong pictures of who God is. We just heard that Carolyn prayed for healing of cancer and that had been a a point of struggle. Because it's, it's like this world we live in, that things go wrong. And they hurt. And we question it and we try to understand it. We don't ignore it. We don't hide from it. We bring our faith into it and we say, what does this mean? God, what does this mean? And it's so normal. It's so completely normal. 
to have what we've experienced in life, the tragedies we've experienced, the hard things we've experienced, those who we care for, watching them suffer. It's so normal to let what has happened in life become revelation. Who is God? And we do it in our families of origin, where our mom and our dad are such a powerful, formative, shaping force in so many ways. Then when we come to relationship with God, we view God as the kind of parent we grew up as, or grew up with. And yet he's so better, so much better. I don't care if you had terrible parents or amazing godly parents, God is so much better. I love this quote from Bill Johnson, is that Jesus Christ, and that's not his last name, by the way, that's his title as Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, the one, he's perfect theology. If you see it in Jesus' life, it's perfect theology. If you don't, it's not. Years ago, I underwent this pretty seismic shift in my understanding of the Lord. And it was kind of related to this simple revelation that Jesus was led by the Spirit and he got God's results. And this idea just sort of settled into my spirit that if I pray, listen, and hear, and obey, I'm going to get God's results too. And it seemed so simple, but it turned my life into this wide-open, unwritten adventure. He said, I can't do anything apart from my Father. I don't even speak on my own, much less act on my own. See, because there's this, been this teaching that says, well, Jesus did miracles as God. No. He put off his divine prerogatives. He put himself in the position where he had to be taken care of. He needed his diapers changed. He had to be taught to read. He had to read his Bible and pray to find out who the Father is and find out who he is. He had to resist temptation. He got lonely, tired, and afraid. He got cold. He blew his nose, I suspect. He itched his scratches. His chewing noises might have irritated his siblings. He might have done it on purpose to annoy them in good fun. Every miracle Jesus did, he did not do it through his unfair advantage as God's son. He did it through his right relationship with his father, walking in the authority that Adam and Eve had in the garden. We were meant to co-labor with the Lord so that as he spoke a word and it existed and God said, and it was, so Adam and Eve in the garden could co-labor and, and in flesh in this world what it looks like for God's kids to be living as his representatives on earth. And so then now here comes Jesus and he's doing again for the first time since the garden what normal humanity was always intended to look like. What does it look like to live in right relationship with God? It looks like Jesus. What does it look like 
to live the normal Christian life? It looks like Jesus. Who is God? The Father that Jesus reveals. So so here's an application of that. I started to believe I can pray, listen, obey, and I'm going to get God's results because that's what Jesus did as a human in right relationship. I started to read the Gospels differently, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Instead of being historical stuff about cool miracles that Jesus did and the rest of us go, wow. And cool stories about things that Jesus said and the rest of us go, wow. It became the how-to manual. It wasn't, look at that. Isn't he amazing? Yeah, he is amazing. But it's, hey, you, me, let's go. So he, so he turns to his disciples in Matthew 10 and he says, I've given you all authority over sickness. I've given you all authority over all the power of the evil one. Heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, preach the gospel. Well, that's interesting because a lot of us would, I think, have said, hey, Tell them how awesome I am. You can't heal the sick. Only I, got, only I can do that. You can't forgive sins. Who do you think you are? Only I can do that. Raise the dead. Are you crazy? Only I can do that. Are you hearing me? The theology doesn't work when you put it in Jesus' mouth. There's this really, really huge passage in Acts chapter 10, and it goes something like this. You know about Jesus, whom, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the evil one, for God was with him. Oh, I missed a, vo- I missed a, a detail. You know about Jesus, whom God anointed with his spirit, And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the evil one. For God was what? Interesting. It doesn't say, you know about Jesus who was God, so he went about doing whatever he wanted. So many things in that little verse. First off, when the Spirit comes upon a person, they go about doing good. And they go about destroying the works of the devil. Because the Spirit always comes with a purpose, and the purpose is always the Lord's. It's never about a little feel-good mojo for me and Jesus. It's me and Jesus coming on fire, and now I fulfill my destiny in the world. Another thing is, he was healing all who were oppressed by the evil one. Well, then I guess... If the evil one's doing the oppressing and God wants Jesus to be doing the healing, then what about all those people who weren't healed before Jesus got there? Well, I guess it wasn't God's will, even though people prayed. Because the old theology says, we prayed three times, they weren't healed, must not have been God's will. What about the woman who was bent over? Afflicted by a demon. 
in church, well, synagogue, for more than a decade. 18 years, was it? And they're mad that he heals on the Sabbath. How dare you? And he says, uh, this is a daughter of Abraham. I think we're in Luke 13. This, should this daughter of Abraham not have been given rest on the Sabbath? Whom the enemy has been afflicting? Wait, who gave her this disease? I'm sorry, a lot of people think God would give that woman the disease. To build character in her and form the character of Jesus in her. What's weird then when Jesus shows up and says that's the devil and heals her because she's a woman in covenant and such things should not be. When you've lost loved ones to diseases, this vision of God, this will help you. Well, God needed another angel. Are you, on, are you crazy? Is death his idea? Is sickness his idea? Until we start to view everything that destroys life the way God views it, we'll try to form a vision of God based on something he didn't do, didn't plan, and doesn't like. It's just a central conviction of this church that we're all about Jesus. And God looks like Jesus. And even though we have such a high reverence for the Old Testament as sacred scripture, we interpret that Old Testament through our new, un new covenant understanding of Jesus. We see Jesus everywhere, on every page. We see Jesus dripping from every page. He's the hero of every story in this whole book. And he's the reality, the light, that every action of God after that, or I'm sorry, before that, is pointing forward to, he's the light. They're the shadow. And even in history after that, after Jesus, sometimes we're a shadowy image. We're called to be lights. But sometimes, if you look at the history of the church, we've been a pretty shadowy image of Jesus, haven't we? We thought it would be a good idea to kill people who don't accept Jesus as Lord. On purpose. You remember that? It was called the Crusades. And you're like, well, that wasn't me. <laughs> I, I know, I know, but it's our history. We've done some strange things. Do you guys remember the Spanish Inquisition? Oh, you don't believe the right thing? Cut your toes off. Stretch your body out until you say that you repent of that. What? We've done some very un-Jesus things. And to this very day, a large number of us are still relating to people as though they're not already forgiven. And they are. As though God's holding their sins against them. And he's not. And as though he's just waiting for a reason to come down and put some, well, what's the right way to say this in church? To bring some judgment to people. Amen. We just can't wait to see judgment come down on our enemies. Not saying you, I'm saying a lot of us. And those are very shadowy ways of representing God, aren't they? We've got a long way to grow yet. And how do we get there? I love E. Stanley Jones. He wrote a little book 
about his missionary work in India, and it's called Christ of the Indian Road. And even if you don't care about uh, foreign missions, that book will teach you a healthy theology. He says, I'm not really trying to bring Christianity to India. I'm bringing Jesus. I'm not trying to bring church structures to India. I'm bringing Jesus. I'm not bringing Western capitalism to India. I'm bringing Jesus. I'm not bringing American culture to India. I'm bringing Jesus. And I don't know what they're going to look like as they follow Jesus, but it probably won't look like it looks here. They're going to show us what a life in Christ looks like that has some strengths that our culture will miss. And it might have some weaknesses that our culture has strengths. But this whole book is just about what happens when relationship with Jesus is what you give people and nothing else. He's in dialogue and debate in the middle of the book over who is God and people were bringing up the Crusades. People were bringing up the tendency of American missionaries to bring their culture and impose it on Indians, which felt very disrespectful to Indian people who feel that their very, very ancient culture, older than ours, has a lot of value in it, and they love their culture in the same way that many of us love our country. And he said, well, I'm not here to defend what's been done in the past, only to give you Jesus. And they're like, who gave you authority to redefine Christianity on these terms? And he said, Jesus. <laughs> don't you love that? Well, what denomination do you speak for? I don't care about that sort of thing. What mission agency sent you? Uh, heaven? <laughs> well, how dare you say these things? Who do you speak on behalf of? Almighty God? who gave you that authority the Lord well my accusations this is what one of his opponents said my accusations and ready made arguments don't work unless you say the things that I expected you to say <laughs> and Stanley just loved on those people he gave them just Jesus and if you get just Jesus then guess what else you get you get the father you get the Holy Spirit. And when, and when this thing gets real, you become connected to every other person for whom it's real on the planet. And the people who are connected to him who are no longer on the planet. You get united with Jesus, you get united with the whole church. Well, which church, Tim? The Methodists? The Mennonites? The Baptists? The Catholics? The Greek Orthodox? The Pentecostals? Charismatics, the Assemblies of God, the Nazarenes, which one? The Salvation Army ones? The Southern Baptists? The Pre I don't know. Which one, Tim? The Anglicans? Did I already say the Episcopalians? Maybe it's them. No, you're connected to every person who has an authentic relationship with Jesus in any culture. You become a part of a people that's without borders and without boundaries, a people that's as diverse as the planet. It's cradle to grave. It's no respecter of persons. 
positions, titles, ranks, income, education, intelligence level, giftedness. You become linked, you become authentically connected to the real and new humanity that's being reformed in God's image and likeness. Yesterday, as we elders were gathered and singing to the Lord, I got this picture in my mind. You know those old steam engines that someone had to feed coal and it was their job to shovel coal into this? They had to open the big old door and shovel coal in there and then shut the door and it would heat the water and the water would... I don't know how it works. Just go with me here. The, The wheels would spin, okay? There was a lot of steam. Somebody yelled all aboard. And there was a lot of chugging and chugging, okay? Just go with me. And I got this picture of Jesus showing up in the middle of our services as we're gathered here in this building. And we know this building's not the church, right? You're the church. We're the church. So as the church gathers in this building, I got this image of Jesus showing up. And he didn't have a big bag of coal. He had a bag of pulverized gold. And he didn't have a big shovel, but he had a little scoop. And he was going around to each person, and he was opening the door of their chest into their heart. And there was a fire in each one of us. And he was shoveling this gold into each heart and then shutting the door. And I was like, what's the gold? Oh, it's his love. Just like those steam engines run on coal, we run on God's love. And Jesus is the one who gives it. And it's the common fuel for the people of God all over the the planet. I don't know if you've ever met a total stranger where you knew they were a saint. Carl does that all the time. You'll be out with Carl in public and his little radar... His little radar will say, you're a believer. Way before I know anything, I'm like, you're a human. (laughs) That's what I know about you. I can look at you, and I can tell you're not a reptile. You're a little furry, but you don't seem like you're a mammal. I got that part. And he's like, you're a saint, aren't you? We run on love. This whole thing's about love. And we remember Jesus gave us this new command, which isn't really new. Love each other. And then he ups the ante. Love each other the way I've loved you. And by this, people are going to know that it's real. Why? That you have gold crosses? Nope. That you have big buildings? Nope. That you got a bumper sticker with a fish and some children that are honor roll students? (laughs) No, plus if you have those, you're not really able to speed or cut people off in traffic. So here's a pro tip. Remove that and drive more aggressively, okay? Uh, You heard it here. I can't figure out a situation in which your driving is going to be a good witness because if you're not fast enough, it's a bad witness. You drive the speed limit, it's like, get out of my way, you stupid Christian. And if you drive too fast, it's like, oh, that guy considers himself a Christian? He's going 70. 
So just take those off. Anyway, I don't know anyone who got saved because they saw a fish sticker. But anyway, get back on point. How will you recognize them? By their love. And you know I believe in tongue speaking and gifts of the Spirit and all that stuff. But without love, that stuff becomes genuinely damaging. With love, it's pretty helpful. And I love this quote from Francis. It says, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. There it is again, love. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, so let your light shine before people that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, make the world better and give God credit so that people go, man, that's what God's like? He takes care of the sick? He adopts the orphans? He supports the widows. He includes the outsiders. He loves the most unlovely of us. He even goes after the person who everyone else can't stand. I mean, that's the Zacchaeus story, isn't it? He's betrayed his countrymen and he's taken advantage of them for financial gain. He's the worst of the worst. And Jesus stops looks up into the tree and he says, come on down. I'm going to your place. I don't even know how long it took for Zacchaeus to say, I'm going to pay back five times everything that I took. I'm done with that life. And what did that to him? Do you know how long it must have been where he was trying to function without the right fuel? Where there was no flames in there? When that came alive, it's like no price is too great. All I want is you. And I'll bet you it ticked off the crowd. God's grace is like that, isn't it? Lord, I'd rather you spank him and beat him and then prove, he, he should have to prove something. Notice his five times paying back had nothing to do with reputation. It wasn't so that the people would, it wasn't done because of what people would think. It was done out of a heart of gratitude. It was scandalous. And Jesus was always getting into trouble like that. I suspect that as we're led by love, we're going to get into trouble like that too. God's love embraces some people And if we embrace the people that he embraces, we might, we might get into trouble too. Jesus confronts a lot of stuff. It ticked a lot of people off. I suspect that if we are led by Jesus, we're going to confront a lot of stuff and tick a lot of people off. But it's just such a fundamental conviction of this church, of this body of believers, that we're, our goal is to gather around Jesus. Know him. Know the Father through him. Be empowered by the same spirit that led him in life. And, and that's it. Get those results. 
Could it really be that simple? It just seems almost too simple. You know what I mean? How could it be so? What do I have to do, God? What do you mean I'm already forgiven? What do I have to do? No, it really is that simple. It's a gift. Well, hold on now. How do I keep you loving me? Well, no, you're in Christ. He already made the covenant. The covenant is between Jesus and the Father. Now you're in Him. He signs all your checks. Your prayers are already given a blank check. He signed it already. If you're in me and I'm in you, if my word is in you, ask whatever you want and Abba will do it in my name. He's not going to break his promise to Jesus and that's the basis of his faithfulness to you if you're in Jesus. That's airtight. That's like reading your Bible and saying things like, hey, if the sun stops coming up, I'll still keep my promises to my own covenant, says the Lord. And I'm going, hmm, Okay, big old asteroid could hit the planet. God ain't going to break his promises. I'm not counting on that anytime soon, though. What time is it? Should I pray? Good. Let's get, let's, let's get up and let's do some praying. Go ahead and stand. In the coming weeks, we're probably going to be asking you guys to dream a little bit about how to take this walk with Jesus that we've been given and, 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 and live it out. I've, I've been around a few times and I've, I've, I've wondered about when leaders of the church have an airtight and very clear vision for what you are supposed to do. We want you to tithe and we want you to show up three times a week and we want you in a small group and we want you to serve in this area and we, if you're this, then we want you to volunteer this. That whole thing just makes me want to cry. Makes me say, I didn't sign up for religion. I signed up for Jesus. But I want every one of you to be in that relationship, dreaming. I can live my life any way I want for God. He's given me, he's given me gifts. He's given me opportunities. Tomorrow can be how me and God dream it to be and walk it out. I could pray, listen to the Spirit, and try stuff. And guess what? If I miss it, I'm still in. If I mess it up, I've learned a lot. I'm a little smarter than before. And I'm still in. I'm not disqualified. Because I'm under grace. It's in front of me. It's behind me. And it seems like they're pressing in. Let's pray. Abba, I ask that you would, in fact, release more, more revelation of who you are. Show us Jesus afresh on every page of this Bible, every day of our life. I ask, God, that the things we are lined up with are the real assignments from you, not the distractions. Holy Spirit, we pray for your voice to be so clear that it would be recognizable. You said your sheep hear your voice and that we would never listen to a foreign voice. And so we invite that to take on flesh. Word of God, take on flesh 
among us. We are not just a group of individuals. We are a community. So we invite you to speak through each other to each of us. We ask God for you to release that gold into every heart that each one know and hear you are loved. You are loved. You are worth the blood of Jesus. You are precious to the Father. What worries you is on his radar. What hurts you is on his radar. What thrills your heart is on his radar. You are worth more than many sparrows. Don't worry about your life. Your Father knows what you need and takes care of his children. We trust you, Abba. We trust you.